from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. Week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and we're here with Bo Stern in studio. Hi, Bo. Hi, guys. And uh, this is an exciting day for me. Uh, I might have a son by the end of the day oh, tomorrow. We are. We're very close. You've made it very, very difficult close. for Ben and I to top that news. I, know. Yeah. I mean, I might have a coffee later. Yeah, I might a sandwich. <laughs> I aspire to a sandwich today. That's what I'm Actually, hoping. a sandwich sounds delicious. <laughs> it really does. I'll bring you a sandwich to the hospital. There you go. That's, That's so Please exciting. Do. You got anybody bringing you food? You need somebody to bring you food. Um, but we could bring you like Jackson's Corner or something like that. I just, I feel like it might annoy Alyssa if you're eating a sandwich while she's in labor. <laughs> I just do. I'm, I want to speak from the female perspective that that can be real. Why annoying. would that bother her? <laughs> Doesn't she care about your nourishment? Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, where's the love for me? You know, She's like I'm sorry, honey. That's, this must be hard. You got to have you. some fuel to make it through that long process. <laughs> That's the thing about uh, pregnancy is you know it's all about her. And when is it going to be all about me, guys? Come <laughs> as on. As soon as that baby's born, it's yeah. all about you. <laughs> that's when. It, that's when it shifts. Three a.m. Yep. Oh, oh thanks. my gosh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> so, kids. so we're about a year in, just over a year as we've talked about into this podcast. So after this week, um, I will be on paternity leave. And so we're going to take a few weeks off and then come back and start kind of our second year or second season of this podcast with some new features and some new segments that we'll be kind of working into this. So Bo, you're here actually for the, the very last episode of uh, year one or season, season one. one. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. I'm so excited about that. So this better be good. I, oh. Pressure's yeah. on. <laughs> and we'll continue on with a lot of our, of course, speakers in-house talking about the messages that we've created here at Westside, but also the plan is to bring in some some other people, potentially some authors, speakers from around the region, the area that have some influence um, to kind of broaden the scope of the podcast. So yeah. you can look forward to that in season two. Yeah. So big time. I know. We're making it happen. We can't help it. Uh, so both of you guys spoke over the last two weeks, Bo, you first, and then Ben, uh, you spoke this past Sunday. We finished out our series on the way of Jesus, talking through the parables of Jesus. And so um, I want to start out by asking this question, what have we taken away maybe that surprised us or has changed your guys' view on what Jesus taught through the parables or some insights that maybe are fresh from this series, if there are any? And if there aren't, that's the wrong answer. So come up with something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, the whole series, especially as I I started to to get ready for this last week, the last message in the series was... um, a lot of it turned into almost a game of word association for me, the whole, the way of Jesus, you know, the way of Jesus is like, the kingdom of God is like. And I tried to bring that into my message this last week, talking about, you know, I can say that righteousness is an important thing when it comes to, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus and people can have different ideas about what righteousness means. Um, and I, I don't think I really thought of it completely that way, especially within the church, that it's a lot like, even like a lot of the hot button issues that we have today in society, you know, people say, gun laws right now, and there are massive, broad spectrum responses from all kinds of different people on what that would even mean. And a lot of people feel that way, I think, about Jesus, as I've been talking to them about this, and and what righteousness might mean, or what justice might mean, and bringing people into the perspective of there is a way that we can follow. The example is Jesus, and trying to paint that picture a lot more, instead of just kind of with the religious stuff that maybe some people have experienced before has been... Paramount. That's what I've taken away most. So, from so not story. a choose your own adventure. Yeah, Jesus. Is that we're saying like there is an actual way. There's... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
And, and sometimes it does feel like you're supposed to go down the road route of choose your own adventure, you know, but there are, there are examples that he gives, you know, I, th- I thought about this last week, the idea of when I say justice, we think of maybe law and order our own justice system and justice, especially in the story of the prodigal son, you know, this son comes back, who's done horrible things and spent all this money and been wild with everything comes back and justice for the father is an embrace and to give him his robe back and to bring him back in part of the family and recreate that identity in his life. Um, justice in the church and with Jesus is a difficult concept. You know, it doesn't match up with our normal thing. So, but what are your thoughts? What are you taking away from this? I think I've always looked at the parables as frustrating because just say it, you know, Jesus, just say it, say what you want to say and give me a list and I want to follow the list. And I, I just want to know it. And I felt like, the very enlightened will understand the parables and know what the way is and then follow the way. But I've found that, and then that'll be growth. That's discipleship, you know. But I almost think that discipleship is is in the tension of it. Mm-hmm. It's in the wrestling match of saying, mm-hmm. I, I want a formula, and I know there isn't one. There is a way, and a way is different than a formula, wow. and a way is different than a list. If you, if whoever you admire in your life the most probably they didn't get a list, give you a list of how to be like grandpa. You just watched him be grandpa. You watched him Mm -hmm. live with character and integrity, or you watched your parents stay married well or whatever, and you watched their life, and that's how you took the picture. And Jesus just really obliterated the whole law, the system of the law, just just obliterated it and replaced it with, you, you have to lean into my character to know what my way is. You have to see it in a different way. And so it's been challenging for me to be able to not preach uh, prescriptions mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. but to preach a way. And Ben, you, you alluded to that in your message this weekend about you use your dad as an example, mm-hmm. that it's you knowing your dad that allows you to grow up to be like him. It's not yeah. just a list of what he said or quotes from him that guides you. You become like him because you grew up around him. You were yeah. in proximity to him. It's a little shocking when you stop and think about like, I don't remember that many of just like the vocal lessons that my dad taught me, you know, or the list that he wrote out for me. I remember being with him. Um, I, I remember shared experiences and I remember watching things together. I remember seeing my father. Uh, and so, you know, that does a couple things for me. Number one, as a dad, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is my son watching me do? Because <laughs> yeah. he's not just picking up on me saying the right things. He's picking up on me doing the right things or the wrong things as well. But, but yeah, I, I, it just makes me want to be, and I mentioned this in teaching team and I didn't talk about it this last weekend because I still didn't know how to say it and I don't know how to say it right now. But I think there's an element where we need to watch Jesus in our lives. We got, we need to, we need to watch him. And I think a lot of times we want to hear him and we want to read his words, but there's, there's got to be a way that we can watch him in that way where we're in his presence. And maybe that comes from the conclusion that I drew from it as best I could anyway, was maybe we need to be with a lot of the people that Jesus was with. Maybe when we're with marginalized people, we're kind of able to watch Jesus and how he did things because now we're feeling things. Our our other senses are starting to take in things instead of just Jesus said this and so that's the law and this is what this means. Yeah. And Jesus himself gets tired and fatigued by the crowds. I think sometimes I have it in my mind that like we got to be like Jesus, which means we have to be completely energized by by hanging out with you know the marginalized in society and the sick and the hurting. Even Jesus himself gets exhausted by the crowds and has to draw away. So there's a humanity to Jesus and the way of Jesus Mm -hmm. that allows for us, I think, to um, not feel bad when our humanity says, 
I need a break. Yeah. I need a moment. Because uh, Jesus experienced that too, right? Yeah. But that's not written down anywhere. Hmm. He didn't say that anywhere. When yeah. you need a break, take a break. You, it's right. okay to, <laughs> you, we, you have to look at his life to know that. So it'd be like Ben trying to become like his dad by reading a book his dad wrote before he died, but never right. having known him. Hmm. And like even now, there are probably issues that come up in your life and you don't know what to do and you call your dad. Right. What would my dad do? Well, I'm going to ask him. Right. And I don't think Jesus ever intended for the Bible to replace relationship with him. I don't think he ever intended for us to just be able to read all the answers and then do it right. I think he meant for us to have to keep pursuing active relationship Mm. with him, him, even when he's invisible. Mm. And that's a safeguard to us. That's not, we don't don't need the scripture to tie all the strings together. We need relationship with Jesus and Mm -hmm. we need the Holy Spirit. And so to me in that, I've learned a lot from the parables of going, I can know some things from this, but I can't know everything. Yeah. So is that the idea of the way? <laughs> is, is it kind of sets up a fence almost? Like, all right, the way is in here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly how to say it. I don't know how to say a lot of things today. And this is a great podcast. But, you know, is it set up kind of a fence where we, where we can move within the scope of that? I just spilled my there's, coffee there's all over the podcast. Coffee everywhere. <laughs> Floor, table. <laughs> We're going to keep on going. I'm just going to lick it off the table. Again. I like how this last episode is going so far. Evan said we got to go out season one with a bang. Yeah. Perfect. These are my best thoughts so and far. Let me add to that too. Is is do the parables tell us what the kingdom of heaven is not as yeah. much as yeah. what it is? Yeah. That's mm. the big one, I think, is that you we always, again, when you're looking for a list, what is that called? The, the antithesis. When we, we start to see, oh, we know it is this because it isn't this. Hmm. And so that's the fence to me. We don't. We don't always know what the way of Jesus is in every situation, but we typically will know what it isn't. Like we, we just always can see, um, we can see what he wouldn't do. And that's what I love about that. When we start to, we start to read the gospels differently when we're looking at his life and not just his words and not just the stories and not just the outcome. We're looking at the character of someone and saying, how would I live with my child or my spouse or in my job? How would I live it out the way he lived it out with 12 men Mm. and the crowds and the, you know, and, I, and maybe that's where the parables have surprised me. I think it was in your first message that you preached in this series about uh, how it's not us who gets to choose who's in or out. It's not us who deals with the people uh, that are classified as evil in the story of the wheat and the tares or the weeds. Yeah, that was the first one that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you just said that, sometimes it's about what it's not. And maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the main points Jesus is trying to say, look, it's not trying to throw these people out, yeah. you know, we, and, we grow together. And that's where it flies in the face of what would be intuitive, you know, yeah. like, oh, we're, we're, we're the, the guardians watchmen. of mm-hmm. everything and we got to, we got to deal with this. And that's where Jesus surprises me. Uh, and I think it's a dangerous thing to not read the gospels, assume yeah. what Jesus would do and then live our lives. And I think right. probably a lot of people, you know, yeah. fall into that category of, well, I'm assuming that this is, you know, yeah. what I should be doing. Well, did you actually look at the way of Jesus yeah. to decide because yeah. he'll surprise you. Yeah, because we look at that parable and we think Jesus is, we say we need to guard the field because the wheat, the weeds will do damage to the wheat. They're going to poison them. That's going to be terrible. And Jesus says, no, you'll do more damage to the mm. wheat. You're the one that will, you, your guardianship is going to be dangerous. And so I, that, those have been really big revelations to me. And even like when we talked about the shopkeeper in the store, mm. the idea that Jesus is saying, the word of God does have treasure for people. Because I've, I've kind of distanced myself, and I, at least from the idea of like the, 
Bible is an answer book. And I kind of am apologetic when I give someone a scripture now when they're going through a hard time. I'll be like, I'm sorry. I know this is just a a scripture verse and whatever. I mean, I love the Bible, but it probably sounds trite or whatever. (laughs) And I read that and I'm like, no, this, Hmm. the Bible matters. It is it an answer book or a magic eight ball? Does it have a list of formulas? Nope. But it has tons of treasure. And we hmm. have to know it to know that. So just kind of it's this broadening idea of what God is calling us to and what discipleship looks like through the parables that I think is really cool. It requires so much work. So I think is the reason we want it work. we would rather have it be an answer book. It, yeah, we, it we takes a lot of thinking formulate. and self awareness to yeah. be like I Oh, am I like that or am I not like that? Huh, I don't know. Right, so. which it, to me is a big, it's a great reason to continue to come back to church. And that's not an advertisement thing. Yeah. But but a lot of times it's like, man, we're talking about, you know, the same, it, it does, it always comes back to Jesus. We are a people that, that put on, mm-hmm. you know, a same, for some people it looks like it's the same show every single kind of weekend. It always comes back to Jesus. I'm like, yeah, but there's so much treasure and there's so much perspective. And when you just tilt it just a little bit this way, or tilt it just a little bit that way, it can unlock some things mm-hmm. in your soul that you didn't know existed before. You know, I grew up in church in this way of Jesus, you know, like I was saying, the word association, or even just maybe it's about what it's not mm-hmm. is more important than about what it is. The kingdom of God has been like, wrecking my mind and how I think about people and how I think about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we have to keep coming back to get those little perspectives to get those little changes. Yeah. And I think the New Testament isn't without um, kind of that obvious do this. I mean, Jesus gave very simple uh, instructions, you know, if someone strikes you on the cheek, you know, turn the other one. Right. Uh, there, there are these little uh, almost proverbial you know, snippets that he gives that are very straightforward. Is that the entryway into the deeper things? I mean, is this, when he's telling the parables, as we've talked about many times on the podcast, is it for those disciples that want to go deeper that the treasure is hiding in these, in this portion of what Jesus is doing, these parables, that there is a surface level, but now we're going deeper with these? Or is that not a good way to look at it. Well, I think one thing about the parables is it does make it um, transcendent to our culture because it's not so laid out exactly. And so when we lean into them, we have to start to think, how does this apply? How do I take the farmer and put it into the pastor occupation that I do or the barista occupation that I do? How do What does that mean to me here? And I, I think it's super clever, that idea of like, if he if he tells us a story, we move that story into our day and we say, what do I see in the way that he lived that can apply to me here? Uh, but because even some of the, the little uh, prescriptive moments Jesus has, like turn the other cheek, we have to balance with the rest of his way that he wouldn't advocate a woman just being beaten by her husband all the time. So there's right. that, you know, you're always looking for mm-hmm. uh, the the big picture way of Jesus, I think. That's something I've had to work out in my, in my heart as well as I'm like, I'm raising kids right now. That's a huge thing that I always think about. And I think I want to raise them to be honorable and respectful and, you know, they have a desire for success. They they are goal oriented. I want to see them achieve things. And, and I'm also teaching them to love people completely unconditionally and to reach out to the people that aren't like them that haven't achieved what they achieved or think the way that they think. And that's a difficult part of the way of Jesus for me too. It's like that, you know, it's, there's a balance here and uh, it's, it's so difficult to figure out exactly how the way of Jesus works in that practical way in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, because I believe that my children should be raised up in such a way. And I believe that they should accept people that aren't raised up in such a way. 
also, I don't want them to go in that direction. And also, <laughs> you yeah. can like keep yeah. running the other side of the fence on this. Well, one. We yeah. still need the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, we just exactly. Still, really do. And, and a process of discipleship. I was mm-hmm. talking about this with some of our um, kids staff yesterday. That you know what what comes through on an application for a volunteer to serve, for instance, um, isn't going to give us the whole picture. Like you have to walk with people as they're serving and learning and growing in their faith. It, it's not a on the page, black and white, either this person falls into a good category or bad one, or yes, they're qualified to serve or not. I mean, some of that can come out on paper, but really it's the process of discipleship. And I think what we see um, with how Jesus worked with his disciples is they are, you know, not quite there all the way through. I mean, they're never at this point where it's like, and now Peter is ready. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a process and he's walking with Peter. He's walking with all the others through it as they're kind of stumbling and fumbling through it. Um, but that's that's good enough for Jesus, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we want it cleaner than that. We want it more <laughs> obvious than that. Yeah. And it's never obvious. It's never clean. It's always this messy discipleship thing, you yeah. know. Yeah, we see wrestling matches in the new ter- in the New Testament church between Paul and Peter, and we see things happening where they're not quite agreeing or they're not quite getting along. And they were like eyewitnesses to the life mm. of Jesus, and so. I don't. I think we kind of beat ourselves up for not knowing more than we know. But it feels like this is the process. This is life. This is it of of each time going, uh, coming to a crossroads in our lives and saying, "How do I apply the way of Jesus here?" And moving forward and going, "Oops, I guess that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I need to do a different." And that's growth. Yeah. It's okay to not have the Ten Commandments um, spelling out everything, you know, or have the parables right. like the Ten Commandments. I think it's okay. And that, and that works for nation building, right? In the Old Testament, yeah. they're building yeah. a nation. They're building a, a people that need governance. Mm. In the New Testament, we're building a church. And that's that's a whole – it's foreign from yeah. the nation building concept, yeah. right? Standards are higher, yeah. yeah. And, and it didn't work that way for the disciples anyway. There were a lot of things that Jesus did that feel like they should elicit – they should just elicit a certain reaction. And I was even reading the – just Jesus calming the storm the other night and the disciples are freaked out and they run down, they wake him up. He comes up and he calms the storm and he's (laughs) kind of mean, but he he performs this incredible miracle, which should bring them some relief. And he says, where was your faith? You know, why are are you so afraid? And it goes, and then they were really, really afraid. (laughs) Or some translations (laughs) say they were horrified. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. (laughs) And they had, you know, they, they had it. They had the kind of call and response. They had the God, we need you right now. Get out on the deck of the boat. And he showed up and he calmed the storm. And you feel like, all right, one plus one equals two. When in fact, you know, one plus one equaled this incredible equation that they were completely freaked out and scared of. Mm-hmm. And I, it's the same way with the way of Jesus, that even if we get what we want from God, it seems that God seem, still moves in some ways that makes us go, well, that was even what I expected. And I'm really freaked out now, or I really don't yeah. understand. And that was how I thought you could come through. Yeah. Mm. And we have a whole lot of hindsight they didn't have. Right. And so, I mean, we're even looking at those stories, knowing he's going to calm the storm, and we're still current day saying, but I don't know, I think he's asleep now. I mean, it's just that <laughs> it's hard. This is hard. It's not, I don't think it's supposed to be easy. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be good, but I don't think it's supposed to be easy. Um, I, I want to mention this. There's pastors and leaders that listen to this podcast. Some of these things, when Jesus is giving direction, it seems like maybe there's categories of what you're supposed to do as a pastor or a leader versus what you're supposed to be just as in your personal life. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this uh, in regards to the weeds and the wheat. Is there a responsibility as a leader in the church that you have to do things different 
or, you know, like, is there a responsibility to guard? Like we talk about how it's not our job to be guardians. Isn't that a shepherd or a pastor's job? You know, is, is there a distinction or not? Is it for all of us just to let it go, you know? Uh, sure. Yeah. There's a, there's a distinction, I think, because that, again, we take the full weight of the word of God to, to balance these things out. Mm. And I mentioned that in my message, like we, we, there are places, but it's not here in this parable. So I'm not going to teach on that, mm. but you know, plenty of places where, where Paul exhorts leaders to, to, you know, pay close attention to your flock and take care of them. But I think that it's more incumbent on taking care of the seed rather than, ripping out all the weed. And again, Jesus is talking to a people who have literally killed people they don't think line up with their belief system. And so if you even want to draw the fence out that far, we're saying Jesus is saying you don't get to kill people who you think are are weed. But he probably isn't saying you have to take them in and love them and be friends with them and have your kids play with them and be inside your church and never never have order, never mm-hmm. have it safe. I mean, we have to put safeguards up against people in our congregation all the time who have ill intent. Mm. And that's that's our responsibility as humans, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know that sure. that's even a different standard. We want to be careful with people, but I think that we also, the takeaway for us as leaders is you have to passionately love the seed mm-hmm. and know you might have it wrong. Mm. You might be misjudging who's who. And I like that, the concept of that has to be first. Oh, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) I might be wrong, Evan. (laughs) Because here's what's easy. Here's what's easy is you start really, really enjoying the the removal of weed. Yeah. Yeah. And then before you know it, you don't even really, you don't even care about the seed. You're not even there for the seed anymore. You're just really loving the the power that you have to remove the weed in that process. Have you guys gone through that as pastors before? Like, I feel like there was a massive (laughs) season in my ministry life where that was what I did. Like I was removing things. You're out of here. Exactly. (laughs) I was like looking for opportunities. How sick is that? It's not okay. Mm -mm. I'm assuming you guys did that too. No, I just care about the seed. (laughs) Seed only for us. Such a lonely podcast. And I'm so much older than you guys. I can clearly see the results of people I thought were weed. And they are their lives. A lot of times people, especially in youth ministry, leave the church oh, in college and they come back when they have a baby and they're like, oh, I got to, mm-hmm. we need right. some grounding here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out of my element. I can't do this. And then they're back and they become what I never imagined they could become. And oh. so we just have to be so careful that, and in every way that we have to instill order to protect the seed, that we do it believing for something better, that God is going to redeem it and restore it and going to bring them back around. And that's so important because I've had, love with them. I've had some serious leader FOMO that way. Yeah. Like I've kicked somebody out or mistreated them in a way as a leader. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you watch them on social media over the next six, seven years and they've matured and grown mm-hmm. and become who, you know, you would hope that they would be, or maybe even the standard that you thought, and you had nothing to do with it. You didn't see it. (laughs) Which is a selfish way to looking at, of looking at it. But yeah, it's, it always rocks my world when I see that and I go, oh my gosh, I have zero vision. I had zero vision for this kid's life. Mm -hmm. How dare I think of them in such a way that would disqualify for them from this and praise God. They came out of it, you know? Yeah. I think for sure there are lines that, you know, when people cross, if they're a danger to our kids, if they're, um, exhibiting any kind of like that ill intent, 
in a way that puts especially vulnerable people at risk. I think mm-hmm. of our kids and youth. Um, that's kind of a zero tolerance thing for me. You know, yeah. I'm not going to be like, well, I see the potential in you, even though you're creeping around our, you know, young ladies. Like, yeah. no, we're not going to no. put up with that. And no, so and there Jesus, are is, lines, a, Jesus sure. is a truth teller. He's yeah. a truth teller. He gets in people's faces with their sin. And so I don't think he's at all asking us not to do that. I think he's he's reminding us to be so careful the way we do it, that we do it in as redemptive ways as we can. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. Yeah. There's there's a brood of vipers kind of thing that Jesus, of course, wants to get yeah, rid of. Yeah, most of the people he wants to get rid of are the leaders. Right. Yeah, so exactly. that's a tricky situation. It's not like he's looking out for, you know... The same things we are right. sometimes. But I think sometimes we mm-hmm. confuse the Peters with the brood of vipers people, you know, yeah. where Jesus spoke strongly to Peter mm-hmm. and, you know, told him he was Satan once. It's a pretty big deal. Um, but, you know, he, he pastors him in a way and he leads them in a way that harnesses his emotion so that he can become the leader that he needs mm-hmm. to be, as well as rebukes him and puts him in his place. That's the area yeah. of leadership that I often have a difficult time you know, I very easily will put everybody in the brood of vipers kind of category mm. and, and somebody that's prowling around or being intentionally hurtful and all this stuff. When I think most of the time, those people are actually more Peter than they are Pharisee. Sure. Uh, it's just difficult for me to see that, you know, yeah. like, yeah, it's just. I, you know, I don't know plants at all. And so there are times when I will pull the weeds out of my yard and I don't know for sure if something is <laughs> like a weed or a flower. Is that an ugly flower or a beautiful weed? I don't know. And I, because it doesn't look like all the other flowers. And I think we're coming into this era in Christendom where we're realizing we try to make everybody look alike mm-hmm. and called them good. They must be good because they're all doing it the same way and they're raising their hands and they're doing their stuff. But I think we're growing out of that and I'm thankful that we are where we're saying you might look really different and still be fully, really passionate about Jesus. And isn't that what Jesus was doing when he showed up anyway? It was a very homogenous religious Mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. comes in and says, it's not going to look like this anymore. Yeah, You know, you got the robes, you've got the education, you've got the phylactery on your face. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not wrong, but it's, that's not it. Mm -hmm. You're missing the point here. And uh, he's still shaking it up today because it's easy to mistake vipers for Peters too yeah. in, in reverse, yeah. you know? And I think um, there's probably a moment of reckoning uh, within American Christianity where we have to come to, come to realize like maybe yeah. what we thought was good right. needs to be yeah. looked at again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Bo, have you ever yelled at somebody in the middle of a sermon? Uh, I've, I've, I've corrected people in the sermons. <laughs> sure, yes. I think yell is a strong word. Okay, I've yelled. I'm not much of a yeller. But <laughs> yeah, you're not. That's true. You you have corrected somebody? How, oh, sure. How'd that go yeah. for you? Uh, you know, usually they're really hurt and offended and walk away. That's why I started really working with my staff when I was a youth pastor to say, could you please deal with the stuff going on? Because it's really embarrassing and humiliating to get yelled at from the stage. And that's not what we want. We don't want Mm. them to feel like they went to church to be embarrassed. So I I yelled at uh, kids last Wednesday. (laughs) I wasn't trying to out you. Yeah, I did. I was going to bring up my own experience. I I spoke for Spencer uh, and uh, the group was, I mean, rowdy. I think it's spring... Coming to spring break, yeah. everyone was crazy. My kids in there, I'm it sure. Took, yeah. yeah, it was mostly just that. No, uh, but I did the I did the thing like four times where you kind of play play with mm-hmm. a little bit. Hey, you know, try, try to get them reengaged, and it wasn't working. And finally, mm-hmm. they were just like full volume conversations yeah. happening. And so I just said, "No, stop!" And I looked back at this girl <laughs> and I pointed idiots. at her and I said, "I just need a little bit of respect from you." <laughs> and the whole crowd just silent for the just rest of the time. Just 
just they were with me from that and point the on. problem is they're with you but all they're thinking about is what you said oh yeah. he was so mad he's he was an like angry, my dad. angry oh, man no. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting any amens after that either yeah. is the thing yeah. you know nobody's responding you, to you ye- you've yelled from oh, the stage man, probably four times in the um, same message? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. No, only one time per each time. The first time I did it, you know, there were three guys being a real problem. This was back in Klamath like several years ago. And I think I went a little over the line, spent a little too much time with it. They never came back for sure, and I still feel bad about it. But, yeah, um, yeah this last winter I was speaking for um, – you referred me to actually this youth group that was coming to Sun River. Yeah. And, man, they were – rowdy and right in front of me, man. Like I could kick them. Yeah. You know, well, I thought about it too. <laughs> they, were, they were like piling on top of each other, you know, talking in normal voices, uh-huh. like right in front of me. It's a small room. And I got to the end of the message and I was like, oh my gosh, I've done it. And it got worse when I started praying to end it. <laughs> Just oh, snapped in the middle of the prayer. <laughs> Not even my group. <laughs> and I, I spent the next half hour telling the other guy. So I was like, man, I am so sorry I'm I did that. I just not my guy. Sorry, it's not my whatever. So <laughs> I did. I slipped out in the eye. I said, but this is your fault. Um, <laughs> but here you are. You need to fix it. No, it's such a tough thing because yeah. sometimes, like when when I was spoken to like that from a leader, especially from the stage, and it happened once or twice when I was a kid. It meant a lot yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was very respectful for a long, long, long time after that. And so I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, I need that. I yeah. need to do that. And then I don't want to drift over to the, I just want to feel the power yeah. and yeah. destroy yeah. young lives in the, in the youth service. Best speaker trick for behind the message crowd is stop talking. Just if you just be quiet, a crowd that size can handle like 15 seconds of silence from the stage and then they're toast they can't do it anymore uh, and they will stop that. talking it's crazy 15, it's so uncomfortable it's oh, so Sounds uncomfortable but you just do it you just stop talking 15 and smile seconds. smile like and eventually they just start to be like and then they do this to each other They're like shh, okay shh, everybody, shh. <laughs> then you yeah, the firstborns in the crowd are like smacking the other ones like we got to be quiet now <laughs> is that is that passive aggressive bo I, it's effective. Does it matter it if it's effective? <laughs> Honestly, you know, I, I would have taken anything. Yeah. Anything yeah. that worked, I would have taken. I got to try yeah. that one next. It's a I should great probably go silent. trick. I, it's 100%. Oh. Like, yeah. yeah. Man, that's... You haven't never had to do this in adult service, right? No, but every adult service, nearly every adult service, something happens, like a phone rings or a baby cries or something. And so I have often said to the crowd, stay with me. You know, when you start to see people, da, 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 I'll just kind of do a little thing out. And it works. People yeah. will turn their attention back in and they turn it away from the person who's embarrassed their phone is ringing or their baby's crying or whatever. Um, and then a, a lot of speakers will do the thing where they will say, I have, I'm, I'm closing up or I have three more minutes or I have whatever. Yeah. What does everybody do? Turns and looks at the clock, looks at their watch. You've yeah. lost them. Mm-hmm. You're trying to keep them, but you've lost them. And so if you say something like that, it's easy to do and make the mistake. You have to be like, now stay with me. Sure. It, but people are good about being called back to attention. Mm-hmm. This isn't about the parables. But. Yeah. No, or just, just, or just yell out of You know, just surprise you. What's going on? I don't know. Yeah. We just play that like emergency broadcasting system <laughs> <Yeah>. tone. <I'm, laughs> you know, that'll bring people back. No, it's uh, the thing that always cracks me up in adult services is the person that answers their phone. Oh, man. You know, they, you think they're embarrassed. They're like moving quickly and they're yeah. not even out yeah. of the room and they're like, oh, hello? As yeah. they're oh, 
Hello. Yeah. Yeah. We can it's hear you. We can see you. Unbelievable. Yeah. Since I'm walking out, no one will notice it. Oh, exactly. Goodness. Well, yeah. Easter Sunday. Easter is this Sunday. Uh, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, what are you guys doing? I mean, it's a good day. No, you know? You're hanging out with your new kid. Yeah, I probably, I'm hoping I won't be Well, here. I'm trusting that he'll be in church. Duh. <laughs> yeah. In his Easter <laughs> outfit. He is, he's not, Two hours not old. born again, but he is born. If we trip. needed a baby Jesus on Easter, this would be his moment. Yeah, I don't think, he, I don't think <laughs> the Easter baby Jesus has caught on yet. Maybe Can we, we do that? Do, if we could put your baby on the donkey we brought. Okay, I thought you were going to say on that. the cross. And I'm like, yeah, that's too far. <laughs> Can't mix the stories that much. Yeah, the donkey that would be adorable. Maybe oh he was goodness. risen as a baby. Yeah, people may not know this. We have a, a live mule that comes. Yeah, and uh, and actually, we've had a mule for years. Uh, Peaches that was doing it, and uh, I had my daughter who loved Peaches with me on Sunday, and I went into one of the kids' rooms, and the teacher was like talking about the mule that we had and she's like it's a new mule because peaches is dead oh my <laughs> gosh no yes. and claire's like what oh, no. <laughs> like, we we were you know that promoting the narrative that peaches was retired yeah. living on a farm i wish but... you could have put Alyssa on the donkey and came in like oh mary gosh. and joseph again we're mixing things i know but oh, christmas is... is fun why not though <laughs> Yeah, it's Christ- Easter on Christmas. Is Christmas more fun than Easter? I kind of think it's so. The whole play out the whole story in front yeah. of everyone. Christmas is more fun than Easter. It's yeah, but close. you get to wear your uh, lavender suit this Sunday. I do. I want to see you in a lavender, lavender suit. <laughs> oh, I want. It. It I'm happen. not fashionable. If I were a Parnell brother, I could pull it off. <laughs> you know, the smoky eyes just which, which, cover a multitude of fashions. Which scenes. Parnell brother is more likely to wear a lavender suit on Sunday, Bo? Ooh. I'm going to go with Corey. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I am. Why? I'm not quite sure. I, Maybe because it'll make our family yeah. dinner really interesting that day if he hears that I said this. Yeah. I think I think uh, Corey is more willing to take risks he's on all, stage. He's more married. What? He's more married, so he doesn't have to <laughs> work it out. See, I, think, I think Casey will talk about risks. <laughs> yes. And he'll he'll try them out. But really? to go on stage, that's all Corey. Like, yes. Corey will show up no in, way. in some crazy shirt mm-hmm. because it's it's fashionable. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. Casey, I would have not have guessed Casey Corey. puts his toes in first. I, I would see I one of them wearing flamingos. Opinion. That feels Easter to me. Yeah, flamingos on a shirt. Mm-hmm. I like it. Maybe he'll do that. Well, he wore the kind of the the had like fronds on it or something. Yeah, the, last the year. dad barbecue shirts. I yeah, guess. Mm-hmm. those were in maybe last last summer. I don't know if they'll be in this year. Mm-hmm. Someday mm-hmm. I want to be a trendsetter Damn. where I can show up with that and it'll make sense for people. Really, I'm just like way behind. I know, and I only have the budget for like a couple things. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what we should do on our first episode back just talk about men's fashion with Corey. let's do it or talk about easter <laughs> I mean, easter footwear because all we do is walk the church that day that's true. for hours that's true. and i just mm. there's no way i can do it that's without true. like i thought you were gonna say some people wear Adidas. some really interesting footwear oh no <laughs> just staff church <laughs> staff we need skateboards all, and yeah stuff. that's true i gotta think about that mm-hmm. although uh, this is probably the first easter in a while we haven't done an extra service right right don't we yeah. do extra services it'll be interesting to I see am how that plays scared to death that I we don't have an extra too. service mm-hmm. i am a little bit too <laughs> it might have be it might be a huge mistake yeah we made a huge mistake on christmas not opening an overflow we did and we might make a mistake again. Stay tuned. <laughs> but we t- opened two season overflows. Two. But we're not going to... Is thing, this we, the cliffhanger? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to turn anybody away, though. That was a mistake at Christmas. We turned people away and said, come back later. People don't like that. Right. So Easter, nobody gets turned away. We'll, we'll stand them up in the parking lot and just put a speaker out there if we have to. But 
Man, it's going to be quite a day. I don't know. I'm ready. Let's do it. Awesome. But I won't be here. Have fun, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All be right. a big mistake. I'll see you later. <laughs> hey, guys, it's been a great year on Behind the Message. We mm. thank you for listening, especially those that have been with us from the beginning. Uh, so like I said, we will be away for a few weeks here and probably back uh, towards the end of April as we launch... A new year of Behind the Message. You can check out all of our messages at westsidechurch.org and behindthemessage.org.